Children's Church. They meet. We they meet in this. We're continuing our look at Exodus. I'm, I'm, again, I'm so grateful for uh, Daniel filling in last week um, as we looked at First Peter, and we're encouraged just in in the gospel there by him. And I'm just so glad for that. But we're back in we're back in Exodus, and um, this is the part of Exodus that you know a lot of people came up to me. He's like, "What are you going to do with that?" Have you thought about that? And I was like, "Yeah, I thought about it. I don't. We're just gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna I'm gonna preach it. I don't know. We're just gonna go through it. And uh, and uh, it's you know, it's we're not we're not we're on the cusp of the lists and the instructions and the blueprint part. And there's I just want to tell you we're there, there's much to learn there. There's 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 beauty of who God is and 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 um, just how." He's precise and orderly, but not only that, that, that he wants to create uh, a tabernacle, a place that reflects the beauty of glory, of the heavenly realm. And he, uh, we're going to learn a lot about that, but we're gonna, this, is, this is the transition uh, passage of that. Uh, as he calls Moses up and, and then begins to um, give him... Uh, give him the, the, the word on the tablets and then tell him how to make provisions for there as they depart from Sinai. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to kind of see this transition point. And, um, and uh, so before we read that together, uh, let me pray yet again. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we... Um, we can know you, that you have revealed yourself in such a clear way that you desire to be known, that the only way we could have a saving knowledge of you and to have a real relationship with you is for you to reveal yourself. And we thank you that you've done that here in the scriptures and ultimately in um, your coming, Lord Jesus. Uh, to see you, to know you, is to know the Father. And, and we can't know you apart from the Old Testament, from these scriptures, that, that we don't, can't understand the, the significance of your coming, Lord Jesus, and the, and, the, and the magnitude of what you're trying to do. If we don't understand first the promises, the covenants, the word that comes before, for you came to fulfill it. So, Lord, we're going to read Exodus 24 and part of 25, and we pray that we would see your glory and also see your, you, Lord Jesus, more clearly. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel, that they may take from me a contribution. 
from every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution for me. And this is the contribution that you shall receive from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and stones for setting for the ephod and for the breastpiece. And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all of its furniture, so you shall make it. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Um, We, uh, not this past week, the week before, uh, the carols got to go on vacation. We, it was a lot of fun. People asked me, are you excited before? Are you excited about vacation? And some of you have heard my answer. I'm not excited until I'm on the road. I'm a kind of, again, I'm kind of a, an Eeyore. Uh, I'm always, you know, something could happen. There should be some reason to, pan, you know, to have to cancel weather, an emergency here. I never know. But if I'm on the road, that's when I begin to go, all right, we're doing it. There's another reason why I find myself kind of, you know, actually relaxing and enjoying it once I'm on the road. Is, is as fun as it is to go somewhere, it is not fun at all to pack. Can we agree with that? It is horrible. Especially someone who's not a planner. I just really want to wait. I want to pack up like an hour before we leave. And uh, with a family of six, that's not possible. And, and by God's grace, I'm married to Camille. Who, for a lot of reasons, let's just stop there. By God's grace, I'm married to Camille. Let's pray. Anyway, no, that's that's just a whole sermon in itself. But but uh, but that she th- has thought about the packing and what we need probably a month out. And there's so much to think of. There's so much to take. You know, if you're trying to save money, you take food with you because food down there is expensive. And you're trying to. And then you got to think about the you know the actual volume of your vehicle. We actually put something on top of our vehicle this time because we, we've downsized from the Suburban to a minivan, which is much more comfortable, but now we have to put something on top of it. And that's a pain. Can I just tell you? I could put that bag on there. Anyway, but you're trying to remember all the things. I'm taking the beach stuff, taking the sand stuff. Am I going to take that or not? Or do we need that? I don't know. Do we going to take, do we have enough clothes? Do we have enough underwear? Should I have said underwear? I don't know. But anyway, that's important. So you're trying to think about all the things. And you, know, and you, and you always forget something. I mean, you always forget something. And some of you are like, it doesn't matter. We can just buy it when we get there, you know? And the people that actually live on a budget, you're like, no, it does matter. I already have that at home. Why would I buy it again? It makes you angry uh, to have to buy it again. So there's, there's just, there's just it's, it's just stressful. But when you finally get there, it's great. But man, getting ready, getting ready. All right, why do I say all this? This is travel plans. <laughs> this, and it's, it's weird to think about it that way, but... They've been camped at Sinai and dwelling with the Lord, and, but yet they're going somewhere, right? Where are they going? We know. They're going to the promised land. And they're going somewhere that, as a group, they've never been. Yes, Abraham dwelt there, and, 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 you know, and Isaac and Jacob wandered in this area. They, they have even a little plot where, the, where their forefathers are buried, but they've never been there. And now they're about to leave. They're leaving this place. They're leaving the mountain. They're, go, they're departing from what? From the, this theophany, this amazing 
appearance of God on the mountain and He is giving them what they need to go on their way. That's how I want you to think about it. They're about to embark on a trip going to the land of promise and God's preparing them for the journey. That's how I want you to think about this passage. So, first, I want you to hear this. First point, the Word of God is to go with the people. That's the first thing we see. Second, we see that the mediator enters into the glory of the Lord. And then thirdly, that the Lord shall dwell, travel with His people. Um, this is a, a passage that, you know, gets talked about a lot. It's the, where Moses goes up to receive the tablets of stone. And maybe as we've, we've gone through this passage, you've kind of forgotten that, no, the, the word, the, the, the commandments came first. They were spoken by God. And then, then later on, he wrote them down. Um, and, and so the first question I have is, you know, what do we, why would he do that? Why, why would God do that? You know, um, it says here that he wrote on stone tablets and there's no, there's no number here in, in Exodus 24. Um, we, don't, we, we know there's two of them because of what we read in Deuteronomy 4.13. Uh, we know that, that, that they're, they contain the, the commandments. And then on Exodus 34.28 it says the words of the covenant. And then as we look at Exodus 31, 18, we know that it was, they were written by the finger of God, that God Himself inscribed His words, His commands on the stone. So, why? If you ever as a parent said, I've told you once, I don't want to tell you again. Have you ever said that? I've said that. I usually end up saying it again for some reason. And again, and again, and again, and again. Anyway, so, but uh, that's, that's grace, right? Okay, so, um, I'm not a pushover, I'm just grace. Okay, so, anyway, you, you, you keep repeating it. God, why does God give it? It's because they're about to leave, and He wants them to take His Word with them. And, the, you know, the question of why is there two... And I think a lot of folks, I think most of my, you know, growing up in the church, I thought there was two because it took two stones to, to contain the commands. But um, I was doing some study, right, and some looking at some commentaries. And a real smart guy named Meredith Klein says, uh, the two tables, the two tablets, he's convinced that they're duplicate copies of the covenant. And uh, that he's convinced it's the correct interpretation um, because that was the normal practice in establishing a covenant between a, a suzerain, a king, and a vassal. That there was two copies. And we think about that. You know, there's one for the king, there's one for the, for the servant. And, and that makes sense to us because is it, who's, who's ever bought a house or bought a car? Like, you, you better work your hand out before you go because you're signing what? You're signing what? Multiple copies and copies and copies. The closing attorney gets one. The bank gets one. You get one. We all you just keep signing. You keep signing. Can't you just, can't you just copy my signature? Never mind. Anyway. But you just keep copying and writing and writing. And so we, we have that. We understand that when you make a contract, there's multiple copies. And he's convinced that this is it. That this is one for the, for the ruler and one for the people. This is, a, this is how covenants were done. And on that covenant were the Ten Commandments. This is, God, this is who I am. This is what I require of you. 
This is what I want from you. And he's made promises to them too, that he will, he will be their God. He will bring them into the land of promise. He will be faithful. And so here on these stones is, is that word, that word that came down, those ten words, those, those word, the words of covenant that, that didn't undo the covenants before, but are actually fleshing out the covenant of, of, that he made with Abraham. Not to replace it, not, a, not undoing it, but saying, yes, I will be your God, you'll be my people, you'll be a nation, you will have a land. This is how you live with me and with one another. And he gives them that. He gives them two copies. And he gives it to them so they remember that they have it with them. That as they leave, as they're eventually going to leave this holy this place, this place of God's presence, that, that they are to take this word with them and never forget it. Now you would think, like, we just read last week, or two weeks ago now, but just the previous passages, what? Again, they're, they're, they're standing at this foot of a mountain that if you go near it, it says before in 19 that you will be undone, you will be killed. And then all the, the leaders get to go. And they go, I don't know how, halfway up, a third up, we don't know, but they go up and they what? They see the, the, the elders, the leaders of God's people, 70 men, including Aaron and his sons, they see God. They see a theophany even more intense, more up close than the cloud on the mountain, and they, and they dine with Him. They eat in the presence of the Lord. They, this, they've just seen... Days, weeks, months, the, 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 the plagues. They've seen God part the sea. They've seen manna from heaven. They've seen water from the rock. And yet, how surely they won't forget. How long does it take them to forget? Look, look, well, we're going to get there, but just... It took 40 days. Because when Moses, after we get through going through through chapter thirty-one, Moses has sort of come back down with all the instructions and with the stu- with the tablets, and he comes and sees what first commandment, second commandment, <laughs> all of them being broken. God's people need God's word again. Why do we why do we repeat these truths over and over again? Why do we keep coming back to the same thing? Essentially, every week, what am I going to do? I'm going to take you to Jesus. I'm going to take you to the cross. We need to know we have a covenant God who loves us, who pursues us. And we are to, just like them, take this word with us because we, in our brokenness and our sinfulness, we forget. He gives His word, His covenant, His, His law. Take this. You need it. And it's written in stone so they know that it is firm, it is established, it's always and forever. Nothing will undo it. Neither changes in culture, changes in society. doesn't matter how long. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is how to live with me and with one another. This is it. You can count on it. You can rely on it. Here it is in stone for you to take on your way. Second, we see, and this, again, if, we, if we're just kind of reading, 
Hey, this is, sounds kind of like a Bible thing. It, it, I, I need you just to stop and consider what happens. The mediator, Moses, enters into the glory of Yahweh. We, as you, as you keep reading, as we get to chapter, I mean, verse 15, we see that Moses is called up. Further up the mountain, the cloud is on the mountain. Um, he is told to, he goes up with Joshua. This is the second time we've heard Joshua. And this is, he's given this, this title of Joshua minister or servant, uh, servant of Moses. And every time he's mentioned until Joshua 1.1, he is, that's what he's called. He is the servant, the minister of Moses. And as we know, he's being prepared to step in his shoes. But he goes up, but he doesn't go as far as Moses. He doesn't go all the way up the mountain with him. He's told to, to wait. Um, only Moses ascends to the top and draws near to the Lord. It says that Moses waits six days before he hears God's voice call him into the glory cloud. He enters in on the seventh. Um, that's significant, is it not? I mean, again, we see these numbers. We see 40, we see 7. We see these things being, you know, repeating in the Scripture. But it seems to be that God is doing something. He's, he's, he's about to, about to astat, do something new and grand. And, and just as He created all things, just as He made all things spoke them into existence. And then on the seventh day, rested. And he, as he rested, he, could, he was there and communed with his people, with, with Adam and Eve and the world he created. It was very good. It, as, as I read this, I, I can't help but think that he is now about to do something to, in a sense, to, to undo the brokenness. That... that that it's significant that he's called in on the seventh, on the on the Sabbath, on the day of rest, to come and hear the word. And and as we unpack what it what this tabernacle is about and the and the ark of the covenant, we're going to see that what God is doing is not just drawing Moses near, but He's taking steps to do what to draw us all near. And on the day. The, 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 the Sabbath, the seventh day, he comes in and God's got a plan of how to draw his people closer to himself, to be more in, in, commune, in commune with them. But look, look how the people saw it. And this is a, something that at first I passed by. I, you know, at first I read it as though just a description. But it says the appearance of the glory of the Lord, or another translation, it was, it was to the eyes of Israel like a consuming fire. Not just that that was a description, but it's, it's more their perspective, how they felt about it. And that's where uh, Dr. Curry, another commentator, comes across. It's, it's not so much just an observation, but it's how they interpreted this vision, that it was something that would consume them. 
And you see the you see the opposite. You see you see the, the the distinction that here Moses is called up and called in and enters into the the glory cloud. But from the from the from the ground level, the people of God have now seen that as something dangerous and terrifying. Now, is God a God of justice? Is a God a God of uh, that that will that will that will punish sin? Yes. But what has God shown again and again and again? That He is for His people. That He has made a covenant with them. That He loves them. But they've already, in a sense, gone back to how they were viewing God in chapter 19. No, no, don't speak to us. No, 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 we can't hear your word. We can't... We, we, let, let, let Moses go before. They're already pulling away. Not in a, in a reverent fear, but in a, a fear that He's going to consume them. But Moses, Moses is invited in. The mediator, the representation, the one who represents the people gets to enter into this glory cloud and commune with God in a special way. And hear His Word, hear His instructions for all the people. Though the people are, are afraid... Not, in the, not the right fear. The, the people of fear God and don't want to run it. God invites one of them in. Again, to the end of bringing them all in. A mediator was needed and a mediator was provided. Note how long he stays. Forty days. And 40 nights. Again, from ground level, you see why God's people just said, you know what, I think Moses is is a goner. I don't think he took food, I don't think he took water. We read uh, from Exodus 34 and Deuteronomy 9 and 10 that, you know, this this is mentioned. And from those, we, we, we read that he neither ate bread nor drank water the entire time. And so as they were sitting there waiting, waiting 40 days and 40 nights, uh, Moses uh, was in, in the presence of Yahweh. I don't, it doesn't speak of it being any kind of trial or hurt or, or, or you know, he wasn't, he wasn't going through the trial. Who was? It was people of Israel. Down in the wilderness. Waiting. They had manna. <laughs> they had water. They didn't have patience. They didn't trust God's word. As Moses goes up to receive the word of promise and the word of the covenant and the, and the commands of God, they fell away from God. But the, but the mediator goes up for them. We can't help here but what? See the connection to Jesus, can we? Like again, like you know that what I said before. If you're if you're new to to our church, you know if, if you've been in church, well, you just only looked at the New Testament. I, I get it, <laughs> but you, you don't get the significance of what Jesus does if you don't see this. That, that when Jesus goes into the wilderness and what for forty days and forty nights and what no food, no water. But he doesn't enter into the, the presence of his Father. He goes out in the wilderness all alone. 
And there he faces Satan after 40 days and 40 nights of temptation. And, and after 40 days and 40 nights, the Israelites do what? They build a calf. After 40 days and 40 nights, our mediator, the true, the real mediator, stands up to temptation and, and uses God's Word to battle Satan himself. And he remains faithful not only that, but, but Jesus takes what? Takes some of his disciples up on a high mountain. And what happens? The glory of God descends. And who does Jesus meet with? Elijah, yes, but also Moses. And as we read this story of Moses on the mountain receiving God's word, then we see Moses on the mountain with Jesus, not there to tell Jesus what to do, but, but to hear from the Son of God. The Father from the glory cloud says, Peter goes, I need to build three, three little tabernacles, one for each of them. And then he goes, no, 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 no. Listen to my son. It's not about Moses. It's not about Elijah. It's about, about Jesus. Listen to him. It's with him that I'm well pleased. You see, when we see the connections, when we see when Jesus comes and His parallels with His ministry and that of Moses, we realize that what? That Jesus came to fulfill the, the prophecy of Moses in Deuteronomy 18, 15. The Lord your God, He says, will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to Him you shall listen. Yes, Moses goes into the glory. He goes in to receive the word, to receive the promise, to receive instructions for their journey. But it's Jesus who, who comes to bring not just Israel, but all us, all of His people, all the way home. It's by His work, not just being a recipient of the law and a bringer of the law, but the keeper of the law. And the atoning sacrifice as our great high priest. Moses is called in into this, what looks like a consuming fire, and finds words of promise and finds grace and mercy for the people of God. The third thing I want you to take away is that the Lord, it says the Lord shall dwell with His people. I don't want to get into the details. I'm not going to talk about stones and what onyx is. Have I got any onyx jewelry? No? Okay. Anyway, I'm not going to get into all that right now. We got time. That's going to, we're going to get to that later. But here's, here's what I want you to see. And this is, I think... I put, why did I put all this together? Well, look, it says, it says here that the Lord, in verse 16 of 24, He dwelt on, the Mount, on Mount Sinai. And then, in 25.8, He says, let, me, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. That really what I think this whole section is about, what really the, the big picture is that when you... Imagine being there. Okay, God, you, you came through all these trials, the, the, 400 years in slavery. 
And, and, and here God brings Moses and all the people back to where it kind of began, right? Back to the mountain where, where Abraham goes to sacrifice Isaac. And, 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 and he provides the, the ram, the substitute. He brings them back to where Moses met God at the burning bush. They come all the way back to this place and they know this is a special place. God is, God, this is significant. And we see this glory cloud on this mountain. But this isn't the land of promise. The land of promise isn't the desert. is isn't the wilderness. Has, have any of you, of you before, like, bef- remember traveling before smartphones? You remember that? I went, I went on a trip in 1999 that a bunch of 19-year-olds planned, 19-year-old boys. We planned it. We went 11,000 miles. From Tuscaloosa to San Diego, San Diego to Vancouver, and all the way back down to St. Louis and through. And we made it. Okay? Again, I, I, it's a different time. Somebody asked me, I share that story, would you let Joseph do that? And I'm saying, no. No, I wouldn't. Maybe I would. I don't know. I, no. That's my, my gut. My, parent, my parents being irresponsible, no, they weren't. They, you know, they, they trusted the trust of the Lord. They trusted me. These guys were, they, we weren't insane. No one had a criminal record. They thought we'd be okay. And by the way, we had that cell phone that was roaming, and if we were bleeding out, we could call. Only then, though, because it was roaming. But we had we had a little connection. But you know, and I'll tell my kids that we, we would go, and y'all remember this is you know, there's some people are in here a little older than me. You remember, like you traveled, you went say you went west, you got to the next state, you stopped at that little rest stop, and not just rested, but you got a map, and then you figured out the rest of the journey, and then you went to the next state. What'd you do? Got another map? At least there was a map. I've got a lot of stories on that trip. It was a, quite an adventure. Again, by, again, I'm, by God's grace, <laughs> we made it back. Um, there was no map. There was no smartphones. There was no... You're, God, you're going to just send us off? We're going to leave this holy place. We're going to leave this mountain where you're, where you you are you are here in a way that we've never experienced, and you're going to send us another way. Yes, you're giving us. They're going to take the word, but how how are we going to do this on our own? That's never God's plan. Hear that. This is the thing, if you've got to take away. It's never God's plan for you to receive His grace and hear His word and then to do it on your own. Because He gets in there and the first thing God says is, I want you to make me a tent. And that is not... You know how a dog hears something? I think Moses went, Oh, what? Being... In the glory of Yahweh. And he's going, I need you to build me a tent. Peter doesn't sound so silly now, does he? Think about transfiguration. Peter's like, oh, let's build some tents. I mean, he's just remembering the verse. God said, I want you to build me a tent. Because I, in the way that I'm dwelling on this mountain... 
Not in a, this is all of who I am, but it's actually that Hebrew word is a, it's a different word for dwelling. You know, there's a dwelling of abiding, but this is the one that just means a temporary abode, a temporary, like tent. Some of you like to camp. I like to camp one day in a row. That's it. That's my limit. Anyway, that's how long I like to sleep on the ground. One night in a row. That's it. But anyway, some of you glamp, and I like that. I don't have to get into that. Anyway, but this is, he's saying, you're not going to go by yourself. And that's the thing I want you to take away. I am going to dwell with you not and in the same way that you're dwelling. He's calling them to pull up roots and be on their way and to live in tents. He goes, I am going to live in a tent with you. And where you go, I will go. I will lead you. And that's the thing I want you to see. God, this glorious God, who's this theophany on the mountain, He goes, I'm going to take this and I'm going to come with you and live with you in a tent. And it's going to be designed in a way, we're going to get to that later, that's going to reflect my glory, reflect the heaven itself, the throne room of God. And I'm not going to be there fully, but I'm going to be there specially with you as you go. And it's not going to be a burdensome thing to God's people. Note that. God says, I want you to build a tabernacle, but I'm not going to, it's not going to be a burden. You know, you know the first time I read this and you think of all these things you've got to gather, I start kind of getting sweaty and go, we've got to do what, God? That's a lot of stuff to gather together. You want me to make a list of things to do and then we've got to build it? This is... But what does he say? The people will give freely. They won't be forced. They won't be made to do it they're going to give what out of their own desire that it shall it shall the um from every man whose heart moves him they shall give these things and god is saying people will want to do this and you go how are they going to give all this stuff gold and silver and bronze and who's got goat skins well you might think they'd have goat skins they got a lot of goats anyway but like what when they left what happened God said, you're going to leave here and all the Egyptians aren't going to just give you their freedom. They're going to give you their stuff. They're like, take it and go. And they come out with these riches. So yeah, God, God requires much. But what God requires, He provided. And then they're going to get the joy of being a part of contributing to God's dwelling place. The deacons like where I'm going. They're going, yeah, amen. We should all like that because the way we worship, this, when it says contribution, it's, it's, it's a word for sacrifice. It's a, it's a way of giving to the Lord. And so he's saying, yeah, I'm, I'm calling you to give for this dwelling place, but I'm going to be with you. It's going to be a symbol that I am with you always. And so they're going to want to give. They're going to delight in giving to this project. This is not where God dwells. That's not where I'm going. This building. But the church is where God dwells now. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, it says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ, Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. 
We have a better tabernacle. That is Jesus Himself. We see this desire of God going with His people and dwelling with His people. He does that and then when His people get to the promised land and they have a place, He dwells with them in a special way in that temple. But the, the ultimate temple, the tabernacle, the temple is Jesus Himself dwelling with us. And when He left, when Jesus ascended, He said, I send you a helper, the Holy Spirit, dwell in your hearts to never leave you to be your counselor to be your helper to be the to be God in your midst and 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 here we are the church being built together to a dwelling place for God by the spirit and we still now are being given what we need to help build that to help support that. What God requires, God provides. We see that here. It's, nothing's changed in that sense. God still has a, a more wonderful dwelling place. It's His church. And He's still giving so that we can give and have the joy of giving and seeing His kingdom grow. So that what? As I've said before, and I'll say again, so that we all can be brought in to His presence. That's God's goal. Just as He brought Moses in, as the go-between, as the mediator, his, his, his point is to bring us all in. The tabernacle is going to show that. I'm with you, and I'm giving access to one, the high priest, to enter into my throne, of, throne room of grace. And through sacrifice, through atonement, not of your own blood, but of a, of a substitute, you too may draw near. And that doesn't mean that they are saved by the blood of bulls and goats, as Hebrews says, but they, it points to the, to, the, to the one-time sacrifice atoning work of Jesus Christ. You are not alone, Christian. You are a part of the dwelling place of God. His Spirit is with you. His desire is to be near you. Even here, the compassion of God, the love of God, the faithfulness of God to His people. It's like, you have travel plans, you're about to go, but I am not leaving you alone. You take my word and, you, and I go before you. And that's still where we are. That's still where you are. That's still, that's still our experience. And it doesn't always feel that way, does it? doesn't always feel that way. We prayed. We prayed the, in our prayer of confession, we pretty much prayed Psalm 23. We see this. It's all over the Bible, right? God being with His people, caring for His people, never leaving them. In the tabernacle, as His function, as, as being the faithful shepherd, and again, ultimately, in the coming of Jesus Christ. He still is with you, walks with you, fills your hurts, has compassion for you, and He will never abandon you. You and I are not alone. Travel plans are hard. Packing the car is hard. Figuring out where we're going is hard along the way. But God has given us what we need. He's given us His Word. He's provided the mediator so that 
We are never alone. He's always with us. And He will bring us all the way home. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank You for this, Your Word. Help us to be, as it says in 2 Corinthians 9, to be cheerful givers. To not give reluctantly or under compulsion, but as a, to give unto Your ongoing building project, Lord, of building Your people, building Your church. And we thank You that we experience Your presence um, through Your church, through those that we sit next to even now and see in this room, that we know You are present, for You have brought us together. Lord, help us to, to rejoice in that and uh, in what You have done and what You are doing. Um, we thank You that You are with us in our travel plans and You have set our destination. Lord, may this meal, these common elements that we're about to partake, we pray that You would set them apart for a holy use and that this would be a sign and seal to us what You have done. You are God who loves us and dwells with His people. Then that, that will never change. And we shall dwell with You fully and completely in the new heavens and new earth. We, pray, we thank You for this foretaste of the wedding supper of the Lamb. Use it to bless us and encourage us and motivate us to keep moving, keep moving forward, knowing that you are with us. In Jesus' name, amen.